I would like you to listen again to some of the words which we just heard read this morning from the book of Isaiah. And the words are, the Lord said to me, I have a greater task for you, my servant. Not only will you restore the greatness of the people of Israel who have survived, but I will make you a light to the nations so that the whole world may be saved. Prophecy that there would come one who would bring Israel back to be a nation and who indeed would bring the world to God. Joseph Hanner is a writer of novels. Some are better than others, but all are worth reading. One of them is entitled, God Knows. You can say that in different ways, but God knows. And it's, the book is a highly irreverent autobiography of King David. And in it, the author has David write his life story. And at one point, the king in his later years is thinking about all that has happened to him over the years of his life, of the high points and the low points. And as the reader is being made aware of his thoughts, there is an awareness that David, in his writing of his autobiography, is frequently critical of God. David says, for all to hear, God does have this self-serving habit of putting all the blame for his mistakes onto the people, people that he chooses. And there is a criticism, David, of God. He puts the blame on other people for his own mistakes. Who could measure up to the call and task that God gave to Moses or to Joshua or to Saul or to any of the other leaders of Israel? And what is true of the individual is surely true of Israel, the nation. David, writing his life story, does not see God as one who does everything the way it should happen for the benefit of him or for Israel or indeed for the world. He knows that in his own life he has failed often to do what God wanted him to do. And when we think of our life and the ways in which we have walked away from the way of God, from the way of Jesus, we wonder how God can possibly expect a being like ourselves 
not to have flaws and to be able to be rescued. And so in these moments as we come up to Christmas, think again of God sending his son to be the servant of the world, to draw Israel back towards God and for Israel indeed to fulfill the task that was laid upon them to draw the world together. Isaiah hears the word of God which says to him, the servant of the Lord would in fact do more than restore the greatness of Israel for that he sees as a minor thing, a minor task. But no, the servant of the Lord would be a light to all the nations. And one of the things which we should also do and we don't do often enough is to say well done to ourselves for indeed choosing or being made to choose to follow Christ. And although we need God's mercy and peace for when we go astray, we also have to accept the goodness and the gladness that we can come together and be a congregation of God's people. We need the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus, we are able to see the face of that Spirit. We also see the face of a man who is willing to suffer, is willing to bear the burden and the pain and the hurt. And we heard it in his prayer as he looks towards that moment when he will be arrested and tried and taken and crucified. It's one of the great wonders of our time that people in every nation and every culture have felt drawn to Jesus Christ. And it still is a miracle there are parts of our world where the Christian community is growing and growing and growing. It is in what we might think of as the more civilized, the more sophisticated world where the love of God has diminished over decades, indeed over centuries. But it is a wonder that Christianity is still growing within our world. Often, the word of salvation has been carried by representatives who have preached or taught strange versions of the message and have so often disagreed among themselves about the strategy and method which the Christian church should follow. But in spite of all this, Jesus still draws people into the fold as a shepherd does with his sheep. And thus it means that no part of the life of this world is beyond the creative and healing power 
and love of God. His love is not only for those who feel religious, not just for those who one would say have turned their back on God. His love is not to be confined to those who deserve it, but is to help to draw people to him. It's not to be confined to a Sunday. It's there to be a worldwide salvation which must reach into the darkest places of human experience. And as we watch our televisions, as we read our newspapers, we know the countless places in our world where human is hurting human. God's love has to reach in to the killing fields. The love of God must work its way into the psychiatric wards of our hospitals, into the courts of justice, into colleges and universities, onto the broadcasting services. Nothing, no place, no people are to be outside the radius of God's love. That's important that we are able as we are to fulfill that task. There is a little passage in the book of Job where Job is complaining bitterly to God that he, God, can have no understanding of Job's experience because he has never been a human being. He's never been a man. But you and I know that God came as a man in Christ. He came to the Jewish nation with a view of life which was new to them, to them who saw themselves as God's people. But the Jewish way of seeing life and being something important and worthwhile, they looked for glory and for God in conquest, the conquests of other nations. They looked at the acquisition of power as being a means to an end. They looked and expected to have the right, the right to rule over the other nations of the world. Jesus looked on God's glory. He saw it as a cross. He taught men and women that only by death comes life. A seed in the ground dies and many shoots come. Only by death, only by spending life, do we retain life and enjoy the life that's given to us. And when we think about it, the paradox of Jesus is nothing more than common sense. All of us have common sense. Sadly, we don't always use it. 
I'm not sure how good is your remembrance of your education. I'm not sure how well you did in the English class, not in reading books, not in reading poetry, but do you remember all the lessons on grammar that you were given? A schoolboy was asked, what parts of speech are my and mine? And he answered, more truly, I think, than he knew, please, sir, these are aggressive pronouns. Not possessive, but aggressive. It is all too true that in the modern world, the idea of service is in danger of disappearing. There are so many people today who have life, are in work, are in business, for nothing other than for what they can get out of it. They may well become very rich. They may well become the owner of many possessions and do some wonderful things. But one thing is absolutely certain, that way of life gives them little joy and they know less love than they otherwise would. They will fail to understand that God so loved the world that he sent his son. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, who gave himself for our sake and who promised, and I believe the promise will be kept, promise that he will come again. But he comes now in his Holy Spirit. The Spirit God gave to the Son comes also to us if we are open to it and we use it. God so loved the world that he sent his Son who promised the Spirit. And so, therefore, let the words this morning be from Father, Son, and Holy Ghost.